in song this morning that the chains are broken? Did you not declare in song this morning that the shackles are broken? For I tell you today, said the Spirit of the Lord, your guilt and your shame is covered by my blood. I desire that you walk in the freedom that I give in you, said the Spirit of the Lord. I desire nothing more than to move into your life, to move into your spirit, to walk closer in your daily walks in the Spirit of the Lord. You've sung it this morning. You've claimed it this morning. I tell you today, walk in your freedom. Walk in your freedom. Walk in your freedom. And yes, I will enter in deeper if you allow me. I will become more glorious in your life. I will become more glorious in your walk. Yes, people will see something different in you. Without you saying a word, people will see something different in you. If you allow me, said the Spirit of the Lord. For I have broken every chain and I have set you free. I have broken every shackle and I have set you free. And I am walking in you, through you, said the Spirit of the Lord. Glory to God. Come on, lift your voices in this place. Come on, let your voices be heard. Come on, lift your voice. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Father, we thank you and we give you praise this morning. Thank you, Lord, for such a time as this. Lord, for this time you've preserved us. Father God, this time you've kept us. Lord God, you've allowed us to be here. Father, as we come before you, we come asking, uh, Lord God, for the gift of repentance for our nation. Lord God, even for our government. Lord God, for those, hallelujah, that follow, Lord, we ask for the gift of repentance. We cry out this morning for unity in our nation. We cry out this morning, Lord God, for oneness. We cry out to you, O oh God, for healing for our nation, Lord. Hallelujah. And Father, while there are many that are celebrating and there are many that are disheartened, Lord God, we're reminded again and again and again, hallelujah, that it's in you that we live. It's in you that we move. And it's in you that we have our being. Hallelujah, that our citizenship... Hallelujah, it's not limited to this earth, Lord God, but we thank you, Father. Hallelujah, that we have a citizenship. Glory to God in heaven. We have a citizenship. Hallelujah, in the kingdom of our God. So, Lord, hallelujah, we lift up, oh God, even our president-elect, Lord. We speak blessing over him this morning. We speak healing, Lord God. We speak, Father God, wisdom, the wisdom of God to be manifest in him. Lord, that you would give him, Lord, clear direction and guidance, instruction for this nation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that the Spirit of the living God would sweep across this land, O God, that we were reminded, be reminded whose we are. We would be reminded, Lord God, hallelujah, on how this nation was built, the faith, the values, the tenets that it was built. As we look to you, O God. And Father, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus as we lift up Dr. Ustavine, Lord. Lord, we speak over his life. We speak healing.
and blessing over him now in the name of the Lord Jesus for your word declares that all things yes all things are possible to those who believe we lift him up before you oh God hallelujah and father we continue to pray for apostle C and sister C this morning we lift them up before you and speak blessing and strength grace and courage over their lives this morning in the mighty name of Jesus hallelujah we pray for pastor Gardner as well Lord Somebody would like to just pick up on that song and run that for about another 45 minutes. <laughs> Morning, Evangel. Our, bas- our bishops had uh, an emergency call to go and minister last night, so we have the privilege of filling in for them again this morning. So it is, it truly is our privilege. Um, real quick, two minutes, I want to address this election issue. Now keep a couple things in mind. I am British by birth, which means I'm a British citizen. I am Jewish by heritage, which means I can apply for Israeli citizenship. I am a Canadian citizen, and I am a green card holder. So as a green card holder in the U.S., I do not have the privilege to vote that all of you do. So I don't have a biased opinion here. But let me ask you something. Did did tens of millions of Christians vote in this election? Right? Did millions of Christians vote for Donald Trump? Yes. Okay? Did millions of Christians vote for Joe Biden? So, does God put all of our prayers on a scale and weigh them out and say, well, this group prayed more and fasted more and did more, and so this group wins. Does he do that? So how does God decide who gets into the presidency? Well, it's pretty simple. There's two things here. The Bible says that God puts those in authority. He puts one king up and he brings one king down, right? God works all things, say all things. All things according to his perfect will his sovereign will and I'm telling you here and now there isn't a person on this earth who could tell anybody what God's perfect sovereign will is for this season so the truth is whether you prayed for one candidate or another if you did what God what you felt God asked you to do, that is all you are responsible for. <clears throat> you voted for Trump and you were perplexed, it doesn't matter any of it. You voted for Biden and you were rejoicing, it doesn't matter. What matters is doing the will of God. Amen. Everybody say out loud, God will always have his way. God will always have his way. And it's my job to pray. And it's my job to pray. Okay, we're going to pray for our bishops, so let's extend our hands towards the cross. 
Father, we thank you that our bishops are in season and out of season, that, Father, you always have a word upon their hearts, that they always prepare to do that which you call them to do. So, Father, we thank you that they are out and about doing your business, doing your will. And I thank you, Father, that that word that you have put upon their heart is for this due season. So I thank you, Lord, that you always follow up your word with signs and miracles. The bishops always step out, Father. They step out on that ledge of faith, and they're open to that which you would have them have do in and through them. So, Father, thank you for your hedge of protection around them. Thank you for the strength. Thank you for the wisdom. And thank you, Lord, that when they come back to this house, it will be a good re- with a good report of what you have done. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> So last week I told you that the pulpit has been dry. Do you remember me saying that? Yes. He it's watered been... it with a couple of jokes yeah. for us, didn't he? So we're going to continue to water the pulpit. Are you ready? <laughs> a keynote speaker was in such a hurry to get out <clears throat> to, the, to the venue that when he arrived and he sat down, he suddenly realized he had forgotten his dentures. Turning to the man next to him, he whispered, I forgot my teeth. The man said, no problem. With that, he reached into his briefcase and pulled out a pair of dentures. Try these, he said. <clears throat> the speaker slipped, <coughs> excuse me, slipped them into his mouth. Too loose, he said. <clears throat> the man dug around again in his briefcase and said, here, try these. The speaker tried them and responded, too tight. The man once again dug around in his briefcase. He says, here, try this pair. Give them a try. The speaker smiled and said, they fit perfectly. He ate his meal. He gave a great speech. There was no other troubles. At the event, after the event was concluded, the man (coughs) met his benefactor outside where he thanked him and returned the dentures. I want to thank you for coming to my rescue. Where is your office? I've been looking for a good dentist. Well, I'm not a dentist, the man replied. I'm the local funeral director. There are some jokes I don't tell my wife ahead of time because I know... I'm going to get smacked upside the head. (laughs) But I got a 10 from Dr. Scott. That's all that matters. Oh, my word. (laughs) Title of our message is No Torn Garments Here. Say that with me. No No Torn torn Garments Here. here. Leviticus 21 verse 10 tells us, He who is the high priest among his brethren... Look at, your, look at your neighbor and say, you are a high priest. You are a high priest. He who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured. Look at your neighbor and say, anointing oil is upon your head. Anointing oil is upon your head. And he who is consecrated to wear the garments is not to uncover his head, nor tear his clothes. Look at your neighbor and say, don't tear your clothes. Don't tear your clothes. So wherever there is the anointing oil, the Holy Spirit is always attracted to it. Okay? Keep that in mind as we go forward. Because the oil in our 
uh, <clears throat> New Testament churches is representative of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we anoint with oil. We do it because the Bible says so. So here's things if you're going to write, <clears throat> take notes. Here's the first thing you want to write down. If you want biblical results, do what the Bible says. Amen? If you want biblical results, do what the Bible says. So let's look a little deeper into this. In Job chapter 1, <coughs> we read about Job's servants breaking the stillness of his life to tell him about the thieves <coughs> that stole his sheep, his oxen, his camel, and his wealth. <coughs> and as soon as they left, others rushed in to tell him of the tragic news about the, uh, the storm that blew over and blew his house down. It came in from the desert. <coughs> Blew him from the desert and caused his house to collapse on his ten children, killing them all. Thank you. Don't mind me coughing here, people. We were three days of nonstop talking, and my voice is just a little hoarse. So the storm blows in, kills his ten children. Job's response, and remember that God said he was a good man. He was a godly man. In fact, the Bible calls Job the greatest man in all the East. His response was to shave his head and rent or tear his clothes. And then he fell on the earth and wept. <clears throat> in 2 Kings, there's a Samaritan famine that is so bad that donkey's heads are selling for 80 pieces of silver. And dove's dung was selling for five pieces of silver. During this time, mothers would steal each other's babies and boil them and eat them. <clears throat> and the king of Israel was so overwhelmed over his dying city that he walked out onto the walls of the city and he rent his, his clothes. And underneath he had sackcloth. <clears throat> what he was saying was this situation is so devastating and that their lives were so destroyed that they would never get over it. We also read in Numbers 14 that Joshua and Caleb were with the children of Israel. And they were all ready to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. But the Bible says that the hearts of the people turned back because of fear. They would not enter the promised land because of fear. So Joshua and Caleb, recognizing that Israel was on this uh, intersection of opportunity... And we know that it would not happen again for another 40 years. These two men were so devastated that they tore or rent their clothing. They fell down in grief and in sorrow and despair. In 2 Samuel 3, when King David heard that Abner had been killed, it says that he told the nation to tear their clothes. And David did the same. So this mighty, incredibly powerful king as he was, rent his garments. And God said it was okay. So we need to understand that throughout scripture, regarding various situations and people, that they tore their clothes, they rent their garments, or they wore sackcloth and... Ashes. ashes, right, is in regard to tragic, dire situations. So the tearing of garments always represented overwhelming grief, incredible sorrow, too much to bear, too much to even see your way through. It was a telltale sign that something happened in somebody's life that completely overtook them, and they were so overwhelmed that they were demonstrating and claiming things will never be the same. 
I'll never recover from this. It's going to leave me changed forever. So it represented a problem that had no solution. It represented a trial that couldn't be remedied. And it represented a tragedy that could not be fixed. So it was hopeless and they had no control. So renting and tearing of garments really represented just utter despair, right? I mean, think of that word, utter despair. There is simply no way out. So we read that the priest in Leviticus 21, on whose head the anointing oil was poured, was never to tear his garments because it was an act of desperation that was announcing there was no hope in his life. There's no way out of the dilemma, no fixing the problem. Anything that they or the nation were facing was just going to overwhelm and overtake them. Other people can do it but not the priest of God, right? So remember in the Old Testament that nobody had access to the presence of God except the high priest. And he only had access one day per year. Mm -hmm. So only the high priest had access to God in the Old Testament, and only priests have access to God in the New Testament. Look at Second Peter 2. It says, but you're what? A chosen priesthood, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So say, we're the priests. We're the priests. Of the New Testament. Of the New Testament. So a royal priest chosen by God, that's who we are. However, we are not immune to tragedy, to pain, to loss. However, just like the Old Testament priest was instructed, God tells you, tells you and I, you are not to tear or rent your garments. Mm -hmm. You are not to demonstrate and announce that things are hopeless. I forbid you from doing it. In other words, the world can get caught up in fear and loss and grief, but we cannot. We are called to react completely different than the world does, amen? Why? Because we've got continual access to the presence of God. That's why. God has poured out his anointing oil upon our lives. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. The anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so real that if we come into God's presence as his royal priests and we start renting our clothes before him, what we're telling God is that the situation we are in, he is not able to do anything in it. He is, we are telling him, God, you can't fix this, you can't heal me, you can't put my life back together. But the most familiar scripture <clears throat> that ties this, uh, that tells us what God can do is Romans 8, 28. And it says what? All, right? All. all. Everything. everything. So, <clears throat> is this COVID situation, does, is God working it for our good? Yes. The election results, is God working it for our good? Yes. Is the trials and tribulations that you've come into, is he working them for your good? Yes. Amen. Amen. So all things work together for good according to his will and purpose. Not the way we see things, but according to the way he sees things. So the question is, do you really believe it? Can you really stand on that promise? Amen. So let's read Leviticus 20. 1 verse 10 again. <clears throat> the high priest, the one amongst his brethren who, who had the anointing oil poured on his head and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garment, must not, say must not, must not. 
Must not. Must not let his hair become unkept, nor tear his clothes. So look at your neighbor and say, you are a high priest amongst your brethren. Amongst your brethren. You are called to stand out. You are are called called to stand out out amongst Christians. Stand up, be the high priest, and say what God says. Amen? Amen. So God wants us to understand that because we are priests under him, we can enter boldly, say boldly, Boldly. Boldly into his presence. Hebrews 4.16 tells us that let us approach God through the throne of grace with confidence so that we may what? Receive the mercy and find the grace we need when? In the time of our need. Does this country need God right now? Okay. Do you need God right now? The truth is, Every moment of every waking day, we need God. Amen? We can't act like other people when there's tragedy, when there's dismay, when there's trials, when there's tough times, when bad things happen. Why? Because we don't believe a fake gospel. We don't believe that it is based on religion and works. We have relationship. We have relationship with the, Mo- with the Most High who says we are hidden in Him. That we are far above every principality, ruler, and power of this dark world. <clears throat> so let me ask you a question. Uh, <clears throat> if you, or let me put it this way. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that Jesus' words in John 16.33 are true. He said this. He said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. So he's told them all about what's going to happen, but stay at peace, right? In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Why? Come on, let's hear it. Let's hear it again. As I've overcome the world. Let's hear it again. I've overcome the world. Let's hear it again. Has he overcome your world? Has he overcome everything that goes on in the United States? Has he overcome everything that goes on uh, in every country around this world? Is he working everything according to his will and purpose? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, that he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. We are not immune from trouble and turmoil and heartache. But what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. So there's a big difference here. The world experiences trials and tribulations and they don't know how to handle adversity. And what has been going on, all the bickering and backstabbing and snipping and conniving that's been going on, that's the way the world handles things, okay? Spiritually, they start tearing their clothes. They're falling apart. They turn to alcohol and drugs and gambling and whatever else. Anything to get them through the divorce, the job loss, the state of the nation, the bankruptcy. The world declares, I can't take it. There is no healing. There is no solution. But we are what? We are royal priests, right? We stand in the very presence of God. 
And so at any time, at any moment, we can avail ourselves of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, of God's presence in our lives. Amen? And when we do so, there is no situation, there is no circumstance, there is no person that is bigger or greater than our God. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. So we go into the presence of God with our clothes on, fully intact. And this means that we enter into the presence of God with the full assurance of faith. And that we do not allow ourselves the luxury of despair like the world does. Amen? My God is mightier. Amen? Say, my God is mightier. My Amen? God is mightier. My God is mightier. My God is mightier. And what the devil means for evil, God will use for good. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are the standard because we have the anointing oil. Amen? We have the presence of God in our lives and inside of us. Isaiah 10 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So this verse defines the anointing as the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Amen. Amen. The anointing is what delivers us. It's what sets the captives free. It literally is God working through the flesh, doing what the flesh cannot do. Amen. Amen. In Romans 8, Paul says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be, be against, against us? us? God is for you. God is for you always. He is mm -hmm. always on your side. God is for you. There's a fresh anointing if we just draw near to him and we seek him during this time. Amen? There is no situation for which God is not sufficient. Amen? There's no circumstance for which he does not have an answer. So let's not be like the world and insult his deity. Amen? Let's not be like the world who doesn't know him. Let's not be like the world and let fear rule in our hearts. And let's be the people of God that he's called us to be. Amen? Amen. James 4 says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture just says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? God says, I'm not sharing. Mm -hmm. You're mine and you're holy mine. So don't look anywhere else because my eyes are fixed on you. You're mine. I don't share. Amen? Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Don't be double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So God's telling us, don't be like the world. Don't look at whatever you're facing or whatever it is that you're going through the same way the world does, because it's not the same. Just cleanse your hearts. Get rid of that double-mindedness. Get a single focus on God, on your faith, on the truth of his word, and don't let anything polluted or contaminated. Amen? Amen. So we just need to humble ourselves and say, God, you are Lord of all. That's who you are. You are Lord of all. The COVID chaos has not caught God off guard. Mm -hmm. The election results have not caught God off guard. Whatever you're dealing with or walking through is no surprise to him. He's not been caught off guard. Amen. He's in complete control. What reassurance. Amen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when you draw near to God through prayer, through praise, through worship, God says to do what? Look up for your redemption draws nigh. You can reword that as look up because my healing is coming 
my way. Look up because that job opportunity is coming my way. Look up because that financial breakthrough is coming my way. Here's the truth, people. Everything God does expands. God never contracts. When we go through circumstances and situations in our lives, it may look like our life is contracting, but the truth is God is rebuilding. I always loved the, uh, the $6 million man. Anybody remember that show? Okay. And remember why? He can do what? Rebuild him. Make him faster, stronger. Able to do more than he ever could before. That is what God is doing in all of us. When we go through these trials and tribulations, it's just a reset for God. It is not the end for God. We look at what's going on and all we can see is what's right in front of our faces. But God sees the end result. Amen. So when we're in this place of prayer and praise and worship, we look up because the anointing oil is coming. It's the garment of praise that is coming upon us for that spirit of heaviness. It is the presence of God that is coming to heal the broken places in our lives. We are never in a place that God can't overcome. Amen? In 2 Corinthians 4, 8, Paul is talking about his life and he says, We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. This is the same person who faced hunger and cold and nakedness and beatings and prison and persecution. And he goes on to say in verse 13 and 14, It is written, therefore I believe, or excuse me, it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise, will raise us with him. In other words, he is going to bring all of us along. Amen? So what is Paul telling us here? He's saying that doesn't matter what life throws at us, God is going to carry us through. And his anointing, his very presence is our guarantee. And we need to say this. I'm not going to act like the world does. So say that with me. I'm not going to act like the world does. God can fix anything in my life. I found this really humorous. Remember a few years ago there was a rhyme going around. Pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool because your pants are on the ground. Remember that? (laughs) We do not want to be Christians who are looking like fools with our spiritual pants on the ground. Amen? We don't want to be the weak-willed Christians who are crying out, Why me? Poor me. Why is this happening to me? Romans 8.28 says what? All things. Amen. That's what God is looking for from each one of us. First John 2.20 tells us, but you have the anointing from the Holy One. And you know the truth. What is the truth? The truth is what God says. And the truth is that he has anointed every one of us. And the truth is you and I are a threat to hell. 
Because God has a destiny for us. Because we are carrying a dream inside of us. Because there's a prophecy over us. Because God is going to raise us up. Because he has anointed us to do the work that he has planned and purposed before when? Before the foundation of this world was ever laid. Amen? So the truth is, you may have gone through some perilous times and troubles. But guess what? You're still here. Let me ask you a question. If anybody is not here, please stand up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. Are you still standing? Has the enemy taken you out yet? Has God taken you home yet? Then he has a plan and a purpose for all of us. <coughs> So remind yourselves that any time hell is attacking, it's a confirmation that you're anointed. The enemy, <clears throat> here's, here's another truth. The enemy doesn't care about me and you. He cares about the anointing. And he goes seeking it out like a heat missile. And that's what he wants to destroy. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so look, people. And understand that you have the anointing from the Holy One. So I'm going to say this plain. Get your pants off the ground. Pick up your pants. Look at the enemy and say to him right smack in the face. Any weapon formed against me will not prosper. Who do you think I am? I am a child of God. I'm a child of the God Most High. You can't have my family. You can't have my health. You can't have my finances. You can't have my job. You can't have my situation. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is with me in all circumstances. Amen. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, you are a royal priest. You are a royal priest. Don't you dare tear your spiritual garments. Don't you dare tear your spiritual garments and pick your pants up. Amen? Amen. Isaiah 40 says, The everlasting God faints not, never grows weary. There's no searching his understanding, but he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be weary. So we need to stare the devil right in the face and say, Listen, rejoice not over me me, devil, for though I may fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, I see God's light. So don't celebrate yet. Don't start jumping around because I'm not through. You must not know my God. Amen. In Jesus' time, according to Matthew 26, something happened in the priesthood that was different from Aaron's time. Aaron and his sons and the royal priesthood never tore their garments. But the priests in Jesus' time were a polluted priesthood. And so when they heard Jesus declare that he was the son of God, they rent their clothes and they mm. accused him of blasphemy. We are in the presence of Jesus and he and his presence are inside of us. This is the same presence that filled Solomon's temple. It's the same presence that filled the upper room. Amen. In Psalm 25, it says, you prepare a table before me 
In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. You know, the phrase, anoint my head with oil, anoint the head with oil, was actually originated from shepherds because the greatest danger to sheep, aside from wolves in the Middle East, were poisonous serpents. Mm -hmm. And so when the sheep were grazing, the snakes would come up out of the grass and bite their face and kill them. So the shepherds would anoint the sheep's face with oil because there was something about the aroma and the smell that repelled snakes. So when the snakes were grazing, or the sheep were grazing, the snakes would come up out of the hole and they'd get a whiff of that aroma and they'd retreat right back in. The anointing oil repels serpents. Amen? Say, God, anoint my head with oil. God, anoint my head with oil. The anointing repels the devil. We have a heavenly high priest, and as he was hanging on the cross, knowing that he was dying, drinking a full cup of the world's transgressions, The Roman soldiers picked up all of his garments, and they went to tear them, but one of them was restrained, and he held back and said, we cannot tear them. And Jesus thought, go ahead, you can put a spear through my side, you can put nails in my hands, you can whip my back till it's raw, you can crucify me, and you can put me in the tomb. But he says, you are not going to tear my garment because I can face all the hosts of hell and I know who my God is. And through my shed blood, I can access him and the spirit of God is going to raise me right back up. So have at it, devil, because I am not down. Remember, you may fall seven times, but Proverbs says a righteous man rises again. Say, I'm rising again. I'm rising again. Amen. So Pastor Eric, where, where is he? Come on up. There you are. Come on up with your team. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to wrap up here, and then we're going to do something a little bit different for for the last few minutes of our service. What should we do when we go through difficult times and we feel overwhelmed? First off, we need to obey what the Scripture says. Don't tear your garments verbally and talk about defeat, and woe is me, and over and over, and be consumed by your problems, mm-hmm. okay? Negative talk will only expand what is negative in your life, yep. okay? <clears throat> so <clears throat> ask yourself, when you go through difficult times, what are the first words you tend to express? Mm-hmm. Next, <clears throat> we are not going to set our hearts on the losses and focus on the problems. When difficult times come, we need to ask ourselves, do we recall all the bad things that have happened in our lives and say, woe is me? Or do you look back and recall God's faithfulness? We need to focus on the promises that he has set before us and set our heart on God, his faithfulness and his goodness. I like to put it this way. Set your jaw like flint. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stick a rod up your back and stand straight and yep. tall in the midst of your circumstances. Amen. And you just keep saying, but God. But God. But God. We want to give God glory when we come out of the other side of a situation, when there's a resolution to a storm. However, is our first instinct simply to just say, I'm glad that's over and move on? Or is it to be 
like remember the ten leopards, lepers and the nine went out, they were healed and the one came back to do what? To praise God and heal and, and it was he who was made whole. Do we take that time to thank God for what he's done? Joel 2.13 says, don't rent your clothes to show your sorrow. Instead, turn back to me with broken hearts. I am merciful, kind, and caring. That is the God that we serve. Mm -hmm. When brokenness comes into your life, let it drive you to your knees. Let it drive you to the true source of your joy in life. God's presence. God's word. Hearing his voice. Knowing his anointing. Sitting at his feet. Amen? Amen. So everyone will stand with us. No matter what you're facing, no matter how dire the situation may be, God is still in control. And his ultimate goal is to guide you safely to heaven with him. Amen? The focus is not on this earth. It's in heavenly places. God is still in control. His word declares that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that his anointing is always with us. Amen. Isn't that awesome and comforting? His presence and anointing are always with us. Lift up your hands to heaven. Let's proclaim this. I am a royal priesthood. I am a royal priesthood. God's chosen possession. God's chosen possession. I have been called out of darkness. I've been called out of darkness. And into his marvelous light. And into his marvelous light. I approach God's throne with confidence. I approach God's throne with confidence. God is for me. God is for me. The anointing destroys the yoke. The anointing destroys the yoke. Rejoice not over me, devil. Rejoice not over me, devil. For when I fall. For when I fall. I will rise. Rise again. I will rise again. I may sit in darkness. I may sit in darkness. But I see God's light. But I see God's light. God has anointed my head with oil. God has anointed my head with oil. My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. I will never rent my clothes. I will never rent my clothes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Perhaps you've never heard of God's anointing because you've never asked Jesus into your life. So I'd like the congregation, bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's all pray this together. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me. Jesus, thank you for taking upon yourself all of my sins. Holy Spirit, I ask that you come into my life, wash me of all unrighteousness, and make me a new creation in Christ. I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for anointing me and appointing me for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have prayed that for the first time, please come and see us, okay? We'd love to get to know you uh, and pray with you a little bit more. There's two baskets up front if you've come and laid for your tithes and offerings. Remember, there's refreshments out uh, to our right. 
so partake of those. But we purposely left a little bit of time, and we're going to hand this back to uh, Pastor Eric. Uh, before I do that, um, ministers, please come up. We'll just stand in the front. If you have need of prayer, please come and come to us. Uh, Pastor Eric, the next 10 minutes is yours. Pick it up and lead us out. Amen.